Welcome to Permaculture Lifestyle, where we explore the daily pursuits of self-reliance, natural living, and ecological thinking. I'm Sam Sycamore, your friendly farmer philosopher, coming to you from my humble homestead outpost in Simpsonville, Kentucky, on a wet and dreary winter morning. Today I want to talk about the ethics of permaculture, which I find to be one of the most exciting and foundational topics to cover in this realm. I get the impression that a lot of students of permaculture aren't especially interested in the ethics, probably because a lot of teachers aren't very jazzed up about them either. Well, I am. I believe that permaculture's ethics offer us a moral compass for a global culture built around beliefs that all humans share. In the words of Bill Mollison, quote, Science without ethics is sociopathy, and we see what the amoral pursuits of science have given us. The permaculture ethics, I think that these are fundamental values that we all have in common. So we'd better get to know them well, right? (laughs) Mollison and his student David Holmgren developed their set of ethics through comparative study of the world's indigenous and non-industrial cultures. Reasoning that these lifestyles have been far more sustainable over the course of human history than the way we Westerners operate today. The ethics were not explicitly laid out in the foundational works of Mollison and Holmgren, but have come to be defined by successive students in the decades since its inception in the 70s. These ethics are generally remembered shorthand as earth care, people care, and fair share. And they're all connected, and this is the part I think a lot of people miss, they're all connected through an underlying spiritual reverence for nature. So from here, I want to explore each of these ethics in detail, looking at what the founders of permaculture have to say about them and how they relate to our modern era and the problems we face. Then, I'll explain more about this idea of spiritual reverence, and how this idea that permeates all human cultures is also crucial to an ethical understanding of the world. Throughout this episode, I'll be referring to a book quite a lot. Um, It was originally published in 2002 called uh, Permaculture Principles and Pathways Beyond Sustainability, written by Permaculture's co-originator David Holmgren. This is one of my all-time favorite books, and I'd call it required reading for anyone with an interest in the topics that we cover on this show. So anyway, on to the first ethic, earth care. Holmgren defines the earth care ethic in several ways. First is the literal care for earth, as in the living soil that sustains all life on this planet. Industrial culture has devastated our natural landscapes by depleting the health of our soils, And the way forward isn't entirely clear at this juncture. But there's a whole new generation of farmers, designers, and homesteaders experimenting with cutting-edge, sustainable, and regenerative agricultural methods. And the early results are very encouraging. Care for the earth can also be defined in terms of stewardship, meaning the care of our homes, communities, territories, regions, and the natural resources we find all around us at each scale. Holmgren says that we must constantly ask ourselves, quote, Will the resource be in better shape after my stewardship? End quote. The goal of stewardship should always be to improve what we look after. Earthcare is further understood as respect for the diversity and abundance of living things, independent of their current usefulness to humans. All living things have intrinsic value as interconnected parts of the whole, whether or not they have any direct de- value to human culture. Of course, Holmgren notes, quote, To assume responsibility for the fate of all species is beyond our power or intelligence, end quote. 
Permaculture then aims to be pragmatic by emphasizing a live-and-let-live ethos of doing the least amount of harm. We strive to minimize our overall environmental impact, and when we do harm or kill other living things, we do so with the utmost respect. Next, the ethic of people care. David Holmgren tells us that the people care ethic makes permaculture, quote, an unashamedly human-centered environmental philosophy, end quote, because we alone on this planet have the capacity to drastically alter our global environments and landscapes. This power means that we as individuals must accept personal responsibility for our own situations and, quote, focus on the opportunities that exist even in the most desperate situation, end quote. We begin by caring for the self and work to extend compassion outward to family, friends, community, and beyond. We must tend to our own needs first and foremost because that's where we can take the most meaningful and direct action. It's also the most gentle and effective way to influence those around you. You know, the idea, be the change you wish to see in the world, I think is appropriate here. We must rid ourselves of bitterness towards external forces, whether personal, political, etc., which we view as controlling our lives. And we have to rise to the challenge of self-reliance with open arms and open minds. The sad reality of the Western world is that the way we've been taught to care for ourselves and others is generally through the consumption of material goods. That's bad for the planet, it's bad for those less privileged than us, and it's bad for our own bodies, minds, and souls. Holmgren suggests focusing on what he calls non-material well-being. For example, enjoying a sunset with a loved one rather than going to see a movie, or going for a hike instead of going out for brunch. The truth for most of the rest of the world is that this non-material well-being is actually the most valuable wealth of all, and so the respectful preservation of these kinds of resources becomes a high moral concern. Finally, we come to the so-called fair share ethic, which is perhaps the most controversial of the three, though probably much more so in the early days of permaculture, when the notion of ecological limits was less known about and accepted. We call it fair share mostly for the rhyming flair that it brings to the ethics, but what Mollison and Holmgren originally formulated was more about setting limits to population and consumption, while at the same time redistributing surplus. From this perspective, the third ethic is a natural extension of the first two. In order to properly care for a finite planet that can support a finite number of humans and other species, We must accept nature's limits and organize our lifestyles accordingly. For us in the post-industrial world, this means dramatically reducing our consumption of resources and coming to terms with what it means to have enough. Holmgren points back to non-material well-being as a means of escaping the rat race of material gain. The issue of population growth is a touchy one, though most people would agree that the planet is already overpopulated, assuming that the standard of living we would like to achieve for everyone resembles that of the Western world. Nobody's suggesting eugenics or a one-child policy. Research indicates that what the world needs to stabilize population growth mainly comes down to economic security and low infant mortality rates. This means that we need to get serious about redistributing surplus resources if we wish to address the problem of overpopulation. Redistributing surplus, again, extends naturally from the previous two ethics. If we care for and respect the planet's natural resources, 
and we care for ourselves, each other, and other non-human living beings, then it logically follows that we would share the abundance of the natural world with one another. This is where the practice of mindful compassion comes in, because sharing surplus resources means reaching out beyond your immediate sphere of influence, where, as Holmgren tells us, quote, there may be no mutual obligation or feedback mechanism to reward our benevolence, end quote. In other words, give freely and do good for others, whether they're even aware that you're doing it or not. And this fair share ethic extends beyond the present as well. We must also consider how we might allocate resources now so that they'll be available for future generations to come. If we adhere to the earth care ethic of improving any place that we take on as stewards, then we can begin to restore our battered and bruised planet so that it might provide for our children and our children's children and beyond. Thinking about the needs of future generations is one way to approach this idea of a higher meaning or purpose behind the three ethics. David Holmgren stresses the need for a system of values based upon a higher spiritual purpose in nature. This is, quote, a universal and defining feature of all cultures before scientific rationalism, and we ignore it at our peril, end quote. <laughs> He goes on to point out that most indigenous societies maintain nature-spirit traditions of caring for the land beyond the immediate need of its human stewards through acts of devotion such as prayer or sacrifice. We don't have to spill the blood of our most prized goat to appease Gaia in this era, but we must nonetheless revere Mother Nature as a source from which all life arises if we are to develop a respectful attitude towards the consumption of resources. The spiritual reverence of nature doesn't have to conflict with any religious traditions that a practitioner brings to the table. There's plenty of room in permaculture for all religions, but what we're really concerned about here are the core moral attitudes that we all share that underlie those religions. We know that the way our culture operates is not sustainable. We know that it can't continue indefinitely though nobody can pinpoint when or how it might all collapse. Pragmatically speaking, this leaves us with two options. Number one, continue on course with the status quo and hope it doesn't get too ugly in our lifetimes. Number two, seek out alternative ways of living that can be sustained through future generations. The good news for those of us who choose the second option, and I hope that's everybody who's listened this far, is that we need not solve all of the world's problems today, but it is up to us to reorganize our lives and our belief systems in order to pave the way for our children to succeed on a healthy and stable planet. This podcast, then, is one of the ways that I'm working to redistribute the wealth of intellectual and experiential capital that I've gained and will continue to gain on this journey so that I might empower others to embody the ethics of permaculture in caring for the earth, themselves, and each other. To borrow from John Lennon, the era of scarcity is over, if you want it. Mm -hmm.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Permaculture Lifestyle. This podcast is an extension of the blog, permaculturelifestyle.com, where my wife and I publish our writings about lifestyle design, health and wellness, producing your own food, and learning the skills and traditions of living in tune with the rhythms of the natural world. Check it out. I think you'll dig it. All music you heard today was composed by yours truly under the name Airplane Jumper. And you can find some of that music over at airplanejumper.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please do us a favor and rate, review, share and follow on social media, and tell your friends. And please don't hesitate to get in touch with us if you have any questions, comments, or any kind of feedback. Look for the Contact Us link at the bottom of the website. Until next time, this is Sam Sycamore reminding you that a world of abundance is waiting right outside your door. Are you ready to step out?